Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're discovering what the scripture teaches regarding doctrine and theology. You know things that a lot of Christians think are too difficult to tackle, too hard to understand, and just too out of reach. And we're always attempting to do this in a way that applies to the lives that we live. We do this because we agree with what the theologian Kelly M. Capick wrote. One of the great dangers in theology is making our faith something we discuss rather than something which moves us. We want to go beyond just discussing theological truths with you. It's our desire to help you understand God's Word and apply it to your life. On today's podcast, we'll continue in our series on the doctrine of homardiology. If you're already asking, what? (laughs) Then we suggest you go back to the last podcast, number 69, where Pastor Jeff introduced this doctrine, which is a brief study on the doctrine of sin. On our last podcast, we defined what sin is, discussed four different categories of sin, learned about sins of omission and commission, and learned how Scripture classifies sin. On today's podcast, we'll discuss the inevitable results of sin. And may I say hi to everybody, kitchen table theologians, and how good it is to have Jen back. (laughs) I think it's been three podcasts, and she has not been feeling well. I have not. And you might tell by her voice, (laughs) she's still not 100%, but you're almost there. Almost there. I'm upright today. That's always a good thing. As my grandfather used to say, I'm able to sit up and take nourishment. So you're you're able to do that. Any day upright's a good day, right? But you know she's not well because she declined her cup of Southern Pecan coffee today. I did. Just can't drink it. I did. Not there yet. Yeah. If you can't drink Southern Pecan, you are definitely sick, but... uh, (laughs) Hey, Kitchen Table Theologians, thanks again for being part of the podcast and part of this community. I got an email just this week, actually a couple of things this week, just people saying, hey, I listen, and thanks for doing it, and that really is encouraging. We're thrilled to know that Kitchen Table Theology is beneficial to you and helps you in gaining a deeper appreciation of God and His Word. It is. And today's topic is a pretty heavy one, right? Yeah, this whole series is going to be kind of heavy. <laughs> it's pretty heavy, and especially because we're going to be talking today not just about sin, but then down to the nitty-gritty of how it affects us both eternally, which is a big one, <laughs> yeah. and physically in the here and now. So mm-hmm. how about let's just jump in and you get us started. Okay, well, maybe it would be good for us to establish a base of sorts, and let's just make sure we've got a solid foundation based on what the Bible says and the understanding that it gives us about what sin is. Mm. Floyd Berrickman is a theologian and wrote a book called Practical Christian Theology, and he, in that book, lays out six brief but I think very powerful observations about sin. So what I'd like to do is consider those six for a moment or two. And uh, Jen, how about walking us through these? Well, first of all, Dr. and did you say it's pronounced Barrickman? That's how that's how we're gonna pronounce that's it. That's how we're going to say it. No <laughs> offense to the good doctor. No. The good doctor says <laughs> we need to understand that since sin is a unique force, it is positive, absolute evil, not a lesser degree of goodness. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, we sometimes think, okay, well, there's goodness, righteousness, or whatever. 
And then sin is a lesser entity of that. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with goodness, righteousness, anything like that. It is a unique force, and I think what he's pointing out there, all its own. But yes, absolutely, positively evil, and doesn't have a molecule of goodness about it. Mm. Secondly, he notes that sin is not only unlike God in its character, but it's also actively opposed to him and his will. Right. So not just not like God, but against pushing right. a force, yeah. a, a, to use that word again. Exactly. You you explained it very well, so please continue. <laughs> Third, he says that sin was not a part of the original creation. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, it was this alien force, this you know unnatural force, and where did it come from? And we'll get into this because one of our upcoming seasons of the podcast will be on the doctrine of angelology. Mm-hmm. And in angelology, you study about angels, but also not just the good ones, but the bad ones. Mm-hmm. And so there was this rebellion. There was this angelic rebellion, and Ezekiel tells us about this. And Satan was the leader of that, of course. And then that rebellion came down into humans and Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. But when God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1 and 2, sin was not a part of the original creation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Fourthly, we have this idea that the sin force always produces death, both spiritual and eventually physical. Yeah, the only thing it's going to produce is death. Sin No ifs, never, ands, or buts. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. Sin never can, just by definition and what it is, it cannot ever produce or impart life. It tears down. Well, what does the Bible say about Satan? He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what sin does, and it always produces death. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the most powerful statements about salvation that we can make is that it really is not about turning the bad person good. Right. It's about giving someone the option to move from death to life. Yep. And, really and darkness to light. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, lastly, and having a definite beginning, sin will cease to exist in humans when all mortal bodies die and when we're all changed. Read that one more time for us. Having a definite beginning... Sin will cease to exist in humans when all mortal bodies die and when we are all changed. Okay, we've—yeah, uh, thank you for that. I just thought that we needed to hear that for twice, sure. maybe. Yeah. We've spoken about this in previous podcasts, but when the resurrection of human beings occurs, death is then abolished. And we'll get to that in future podcasts, too, when we talk more about the resurrection, the second coming of Christ, and we study the doctrine of eschatology. When death is abolished, its parent—so think of what's the parent of death? It's sin. Hmm. So when death is abolished, its parent sin will also be abolished. Hmm. And an interesting aside here is that apparently fallen angels will be deprived of the sin force that's within them at the time of their judgment, and that's out of Revelation 20. And we don't have time to get into that today, but hopefully we will. That's really interesting, mm-hmm. what happens in those final days and the judgments in Revelation. But uh, yeah, when they're judged, then their sin's going to be removed from them. And 
their whole essence or their whole existence will be one of judgment. Mm -hmm. They won't be bothering us any longer. Mm -hmm. And as sobering as all of this is, it does establish a really good base or foundation on which we can build the rest of today's podcast. So let's turn our thoughts to, as we titled this, the inevitable results of sin. I'll use that word again. They are sobering. <laughs> they they really are. Um, Everybody have a seat. If you're not <laughs> if you're on the treadmill, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jump off and have a little seat. <laughs> yeah, it is sobering because sin affects all of us and it affects to the utmost degree. You know, the eternal destiny of every person who's ever lived is living now or will live in the future. Sin plays a role in every human being's life. And the ultimate inevitable result of sin is an eternal, tormenting hell. So sin, you see, affects people's eternal destiny. Isaiah 59 touches on this. Jen, would you read from that passage for us, please? Of course. Surely the Lord's power is enough to save you. He can hear you when you ask Him for help. It is your evil that has separated you from your God. Your sins cause Him to turn away from you, so He does not hear you. With your hands you have killed others, and with your fingers you have done wrong. With your lips you have lied, and with your tongue you say evil things. Well, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, when you start to go through that, that's Isaiah 59, 1 through 3, kitchen table theologians, if you want to go back and look at that. But that really does sum it up. So what we're seeing here is that sin affects the eternal destiny of everyone. You can't get away from it. And Isaiah said, your sins cause him to turn away from you, and he therefore he doesn't hear you. That He says, with your hands you kill, with fingers you've done wrong. So what he's saying there is you're guilty of sin. You've lied with your lips. You've said evil things with your tongue. So what is all that? Those things are sinful. And he says it. It's your evil that has separated you from your God. So sin affects the eternal destiny of everyone. And then sin also affects our will and our judgment. Explain that a little bit, especially the judgment part of that, because are are they talking about our human judgment, like discernment, our ability to discern things, or are we talking again end times type judgment? Well, good question. Well, in Romans 6, Paul described the effects of sin, especially regarding our will, and our judgment. The Phillips translation reads it this way. This is uh, Romans 6, 16. You belong to the power which you choose to obey. You belong to the power which you choose to obey. Whether you choose sin, whose reward is death, or God, obedience to whom means the reward of righteousness. So again, I've repeated this three times now, but it's so important. (laughs) You belong to the power which you choose to obey. That's Mm. pretty strong stuff. Now, in John's gospel, Jesus made it clear that the Pharisees, because of their sin of unbelief, he made it clear that they were slaves to the desires of Satan. And he said to the Pharisees, the religious guys, right? Mm. You are of your father, the devil. And then listen to this part and you want to do the desires of your Father. So where's that stemming from? Mm -hmm. Where's that originating from? It's originating from sin because it affects our will and our judgment. And that's why I said like three times, you choose, you know, you belong to the power which you choose to obey. So there it's affecting our will 
And then he says to Jesus, says to the Pharisees, you want to do the desires of your father. Well, if that's not bad judgment, messed up judgment, I don't know what is. So sin affects our will and our judgment. But I think we like to soften that, right? At least I do. Of course. Because I would say, oh, well, I just, I rationalize things. I'm the person that if you want to buy something at the store that you know you shouldn't buy... We should take you with us. Bring me with you because I will find at least 10, 10 reasons why you need this. You deserve this, girl. You work hard for that money. But we do that. I think a lot, I'll throw myself on my own sword. I do that in the name of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I rationalize mm-hmm. things. And we soften that instead yeah. of our, our judgment is skewed by sin. And, and why do we do that? Well, we don't want to know that. I'm, I don't want to be the person, bring me shopping when you want to sin. Yeah. Nobody wants to put it that way, right? <laughs> and so, Jen, how can people reach you? <laughs> they want to go I'll shopping for I'll follow up a new with car. my contact information in the show notes today. <laughs> well, we so, rationalize because we want to tell ourselves it's not as bad as God. Now, not you and your shopping or you sure. and whoever you're going shopping with, but if I can rationalize my sin... The reason I want to do that is because then I start to believe it's not as bad as God says it is. And then we pull in the comparison factor. Well, I'm not as bad as her. Oh, yeah. Or I'm not as bad as him. Oh, yeah. And so Thank then God we create people. <laughs> yeah, we create all those levels. So the bottom line <laughs> is let's repeat it one more time that sin affects the eternal destiny of everyone, and that sin also affects our will and our judgment. What else? Well, this next aspect of sin is one we might not give a lot of thought to, but it really is very powerful, nevertheless. And it's, it's this, sin affects the body, mm. the physical body. Now, not all sickness and suffering are the result of sin, and we read about that in John 9. Some of it is, mm. mm-hmm. but some of it's not. David wrote in Psalm 38, because of your anger, and he's talking about God's anger, because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. Now, we won't talk about your recent illness in light of all this. We'll just let that go. let's not talk about that. (laughs) But sin affects the body. Is it the cause of every illness? No. Is it the cause of many illnesses? Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of that, especially that, touches on our lives in the here and now, and we often talk about having, you know, these healed, changed bodies that are, you know, absent of sin, absent of yeah. sickness, absent of death, all these things that we've already touched on. But let's talk about, you know, getting to that inevitable eternal results of sin. I think that's where we're headed. And it's again, certainly not pleasant, but can you share what the Bible says about it? Yeah, the inevitable eternal results of sin are not pleasant, and they're not popular. They they never have been, but they're really, really not talked about mm-hmm. today, even in many, many churches. Quite simply put, the Bible says that our sin separates us from God, and eternal separation from God is what hell is all about. Throughout the Bible, it's evident there are two location options. (laughs) Where do you want to go when you die? Mm. You've got two options. For the human soul, after death, it's heaven or hell. Those who are in the righteousness of Christ, the Bible teaches clearly, inherit an eternity in heaven, while those who are unrighteous 
and apart from Christ are sent to an eternity in hell. There's only one way to be declared righteous before God, and that's by putting our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. We acknowledge His death. We acknowledge His resurrection as provision, the only provision for the forgiveness of sins. The souls of those who have been declared righteous through salvation in Christ immediately upon their death enter the presence of the Lord. So perhaps a verse or two here might encourage us. So, Jen, how about reading a little bit from Luke's Gospel and then 2 Corinthians and then Philippians 4? I think this will be good for us to hear. Sure. So in Luke 23, 43, Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, We are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. I often hear people say that, yeah. absent with the body, at home with um, the Lord. That's a great truth. To the Philippians, he also says, I want to leave this life and be with Christ, which is much better. And that's in verses or chapter 1, 23. On the other hand, the Bible's quite clear that the unrighteous are banished to an eternity in hell upon death. This eternal divine punishment and torment are described as in Matthew's gospel as outer darkness, and that's chapter 8, verse 12, described as a prison by Peter in 1 Peter 3.19, and a lake of fire by both Luke and John in Luke 16.24. And that is the unpleasant parts, mm-hmm, <laughs> right? I mm-hmm. mean, good night. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got eternity th- in hell yep. upon outer darkness, Outer, prison, outer and utter yeah. darkness. Um, the lake of fire. And the lake of fire. Second Thessalonians one. Paul's describing the eternal consequences for people who are, again, lost, unrighteous in their standing before God. They've never turned to Christ, and Paul says this: dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So I don't think it's too much to say that the worst part of hell is being eternally separated from the Lord. There's this pronounced, unmistakable distinction between light and darkness, between good and evil in hell. To be there is to be apart from God's light. In hell, you're apart from God's peace. You're apart from God's mercy. You're apart from God's joy. You're apart from God's love. And to be apart from God is to be separated from everything that's good, because He, as James teaches us, is the source of all that is good. And I think that's where we need to get that applicable distinction in the here and now, so that we aren't comparing sin tit for tat, you know, my sin versus your sin, and that it's anything that separates us from Christ. Right. Anything. Right. There's no depth there. Right. It's anything that causes that separation. And and die in that, and that's reserved, That's what hell's reserved for, mm-hmm. those people who die in that manner where they are separated from Christ and by their own choice, let's say, mm-hmm. in many cases, or in most cases, you know, because Paul says none of us are without excuse, even mm-hmm. if we've not heard the gospel in Rome, as he's talking about all of creation, you know, points us to his glory, and he's given us a conscience and so forth, and we know right from wrong. Uh, But to be apart from him, and if you die in that, then eternal separation, damnation, and hell. 
But now let's pause right there for a little bit because you just said, now, if you die in that, and I know that there is some belief out there, and there always has been, that death is not all that there is, that people will get a second chance of sorts. I know that a God of love, of course, must be a God of second chances. Isn't that in the Bible? Yes. Or did I just read that on the social media? <laughs> yeah, that must have been on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so what does the Bible say about that widely held belief? Well, he is the God of second chances for sure, and the life of Jonah proves that out. Mm-hmm. The ver- very first verse in Jonah chapter 3, I think it is, says, uh, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Because he didn't <laughs> in listen. In case you forgot. <laughs> yeah, he didn't listen the first time. And then after the little ride in the whale for, or the great fish for three days. Well, so you ask about, okay, is there a second chance after we die? Do we have an opportunity mm-hmm. to then get saved? I'll just say it plainly. There will be no second chances to repent and be saved after death. Hebrews 9.27 is crystal clear about that says each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So you die, and then comes judgment. It doesn't say you die, and then you get an opportunity to, well, let me give this a second thought. You know, there's none of that. There's the timeout chair there's over time- there to give it, yeah. give it a little bit more thought. So no second chances. Jude and Matthew's gospel speak to this as well. Hell has no redemption to offer. It's only suffering. So as promised, deep, heavy, sobering, (laughs) sobering, (laughs) but we can't have that level of depth and, Mm -hmm. and all of that, the heaviness of the heaviness of that without then breathing this fresh appreciation for Jesus and for the cross and for salvation. Because he saves us from all that. Absolutely. So let's end with some great reminders regarding sin and Jesus from the Prince of Preachers. Yeah, that's what he was called, (laughs) the the Prince Prince of of Preachers. Preachers. Man, that's a good accolade. C.H. Spurgeon, and he said, The Lord Jesus came to remove the penalty, power, and presence of sin. Love that. Your sin is a condemned thing. It may kick and struggle, but it is doomed to die. The old man is not sent to the hospital to be healed, but to the cross to be crucified. Yeah, that's Ooh, what that's what he was saying. Goodness. Yep. <laughs> I remember, it makes me think there's a popular worship leader that said that there are certain sins or certain things that come up in our lives, and it's like the monster that grows back ahead the next day. All and right. here we pull out the sword of truth, and we got to knock it off. Knock again. his head off again. Knock it off <laughs> and again, again today. And again. It may kick and struggle, but in the end, it is doomed to die. But you know, in the sanctification process, which is a, a former podcast, the head of that monster comes up less and less often Mm -hmm. as you continue walking out with the Lord, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, we sure hope that you all have benefited from this episode. And if so, we hope you recommend this podcast to your friends and family. And do share it on social media. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or a comment. They help us to get the word out about Kitchen Table Theology and help us to reach more people for Christ. So please check out also today's episode notes for further information. They can be found right there where you listen to this podcast. And don't forget to head over to jeffcranston.com where you may freely access our podcast archives and other resources to help your faith journey, like Pastor Jeff's sermons, books, and his blog. And before we say anything else and before we say goodbye, we need to give a special shout out to our sweet girl that's back there with us today. Should we call her a girl? She is a... She's... 
she's she's a, a high school graduate. She she's, is. Yeah, she's out. So she she's is. a young woman for sure. <laughs> Our sound engineer, Anja, Anna Showenstra. Thank Anja. you, Anna. I tried to put a G in your name today, Anna. Anna Showenstra, she is a sweetheart, and we are so blessed to have her. And as we leave today, we're blessed to have you. We want to encourage you to always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.